Hi, everybody. Mike Rothman here, General Manager of TechStrong Research, with another episode of the TechStrong Research Review. Just to remind you, for those of you that are new around here, this is our weekly research meeting where we pick through the bones of a number of things that we've been working on and ideas that we have and things we want to talk about and things we have that are in our craw and bothering us and, you know, pretty much anything else. So it's kind of like our weekly, you know, kind of session with our internal shrink uh, on that in order to address all of the issues we have uh, on a daily and, and a weekly basis. I'm joined, as always, by Mitch Ashley, my partner in crime and technical research. Mitch, how are you today? Always. It's always fun. Always good uh, Black Shirt Friday, I guess, Mike. It is, we're, it we're is Black Shirt Friday. And, and you know, so it does kind of contrast well with our internal coloring. We're both fairly pale, mostly gray white dudes. So, it, you know, kind of it, it does play that way. So that's why. And, and it hides a myriad of sins elsewhere. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Like the dessert I had last night, but we are not going to go there. Uh, no, exactly. <laughs> All right. So what do we want to talk about today? I, so, you know, Mitch, I don't, I don't know how many folks, you know, everybody knows me as kind of like a security guy. You know, you know, he's been doing the security stuff for 30 years. I don't know how many folks know I actually started life as a networking guy. Right. Did I, mean, I didn't know, know that. Yeah, I didn't know that. like FitNet, you know, kind of following this stuff across the floor and, you know, early network hubs and, <laughs> you know, kind of very early on before I ever got pulled into security. I, I did, you know, a whole mess of, of networking, you know, mm -hmm. early on local area networking. Uh, and it's interesting because as we've kind of made this transition to cloud native infrastructure, to, you know, DevOps, to all these modern application architectures, uh, we don't really talk about the network anymore, right? You know, hey, it's something that we just click and click, right? With, with software defined network, we're kind of programming it where infrastructure is coding it and therefore we don't have to think about it anymore until you do. Right. So one of the things that I thought would be interesting, and we were just discussing this and kind of before we got going, um, is, you know, really where does networking fit into this kind of structure? You, you know, I, I'm an old network monitoring guy. And, you know, where does these things fit in and anomaly detection and some of these other, you know, kind of technologies that fit into a, a broader, you know, kind of networking and, and monitoring concept? How do they start to play in with the observability piece of it, right? Organizationally, how does this shake out? Because you have a lot of these application groups that are really more affiliated with the business than anything else now, taking responsibility for the entire stack. So how does networking stuff happen in that case? I mean, they certainly don't have an Excel spreadsheet, right, with all the IP addressing, you know, kind of structure in there to make sure that you don't have overlapping, you know, things uh, in there as you're trying to, they, they probably aren't too familiar with transit networking architectures or, you know, some of these other mechanisms. So where does the network fit now that we're kind of, again, not even moving, we're moved into this new world. And, and, and I think a lot of the folks that, came up through the ranks, you know, of, of you know, kind of making making stuff, you know, connect to, you know, other stuff. Um, where, where do they go moving forward? I mean, a few a few uh, SMB traps, a couple of MIBs, some NetFlow data and a beer, and we're all good, right? You know, what that, what happened to all Just that? Just give me my NetFlow and I'm happy. Give, I mean, give, give, give me a chart of NetFlow and, man, I can make the thing dance on its ear, man. Link up, link down, nothing's bouncing, no jitter. I'm all I'm all ears, you know. <laughs> I'm all good. Uh, Never leave home without your PCAP. 
with that. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. And the nid. Where's that nid at? Right. Uh, anyway. So yeah, I, I have I have sort of a middle of my career where I did networking. I actually built broadband networks in the DSL age. Yeah, man. Did frame relay and ATM and then kind of said, okay, let me go do some software stuff. And exactly. security actually is when I started security after that. It's interesting. You, 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 and I over the past, I don't know, month or so, have been having different conversations. Some of the same with companies. Um, some we work with. Some we're, you know, we do. We talk with as analysts. And it was just interesting to me that networking, network management, monitoring, kind of eking into the APM space was a topic surfacing again. And you kind of go, hmm, that's interesting. Why is this coming up again? Why is this? matter and i think the question we were we were wanting to explore is is what's the modernization path for the network and for network the management of the network whether that's traditional network monitoring or on one end or on the other end sort of observability with traces and you know logs and all that kind of stuff uh distributed tracing for cloud native stuff um but we still have a lot of networks just like not everything's in the cloud there's like I could use a, a yeah. colloquial Ooh, word. There's a mess of of networks that are still, you know, wired up networks. You know, I'm into whatever network service mesh that I've got from whatever, you know, multi-homed, multi-sourced providers, diversity, all that stuff. It's still all there. It's yes, there are companies that are born in the cloud and don't have any of that other than their internet connections in their office if they have that. But there's a lot of banks, insurance companies, a lot of retail organizations, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of, there's still a lot of network, you know, true, true kind of good old network equipment and technology. So I think to me, just to kind of start, maybe start the first part of it, Mike, is I think the thing that I hear is network engineers, network ops operations are also dealing with the increase in complexity the volume of stuff going on and then the complexity of the, what they're having to now manage, because it's not just the network we've had for years. It's all this other stuff on top of it. How do I, how do I pinpoint what my part of that is and where my issue is or how I work with the ops or the SREs or whatever fancy title to a network engineer is, you know, not familiar. It seems like that's one of the common threads. Are you seeing that too? I am, you know, from a couple of different perspectives, right? So, so I do think that there is a lot of confusion about where the network fits in. And if you're building something from a whole cloth and it's totally new and innovative and platformed up in the cloud somewhere and, you know, leveraging the, the latest and the greatest, uh, the providers do a decent amount of, you know, that stuff. Right. So unless you want to get in a routing tables, you don't have to. Right. And you, you don't have to worry about ACLs and NCLs and and, and a lot of, you, you know, kind of the grungies that guys like us grew up, you know, doing. And, you know, the application didn't work. And you're like, oh, crap, I blocked this, you know, thing down at the, the NCL level. Um, you, you know, and it, it just you don't have to deal with, you know, kind of a lot of, of those things to the degree that you have all of your data in one place. Right. And or, or on the other side of an API or an endpoint connection that you, you know, kind of tack up on the, you know, end of your, you know, cloud environment or your cloud account. 
uh, on that front. But as you said, right, that's not a large portion of the world anymore, right? We still have a lot of data that's within corporate repositories. Some of them, you know, big iron, right? You know, some of them were doing some some modernization, made for modernization research now. So you got a lot of folks that are figuring out how to connect to you know, kind of big mainframes. You've got a lot of uh, organizations that continue to have, you know, again, sensitive data stores that are, that are on-prem that they have to figure out how to, you know, leverage uh, on that front. So so we're in this weird, like, we're not all the way there. We still got to deal with the data and we've got to do it in a safe fashion. And the reality is that is, right, the attack surface, right? That's the place that you go if you're trying to figure out how I can pivot from into the cloud onto on-prem or on-prem into the cloud stuff. I mean, you go after that transit environment. So the security around there becomes, you know, very important uh, on that front. But uh, organizationally, I think I've always been a big fan of this center of excellence concept. and, Mm -hmm. And I think that you have to have knowledge within your organization about how things happen, you know, from a technology standpoint, they have to, you know, develop design patterns. They have to understand, you know, what those structures and constructs need to look like for how you connect things up. And they have to be available to a lot of these application teams so that one, they're not reinventing the wheel because that's a tremendous waste of resources. And two, they're not doing stupid things. Right. I mean, you know, it's very easy for these folks because they don't know any better to do something that is a very porous and risky way to go about, you know, establishing this connectivity. So that center of excellence thing, I think organizationally is is critical. And, and you know, you got to have networking folks that understand how to bridge the gap between my on-prem networks and my cloud networks uh, and be able to translate that to a lot of these, you know, kind of application teams that are really in need of leveraging, you know, this data as they move along with their initiatives. Well, I'm still stuck on routing protocols. I had like a an OSPF BGP shiver there for a moment. I haven't yeah, looked man. at that stuff in a long time. You know, yes, it's it's all there. And kind of you mentioned, you know, to a developer, something they want to do might be an API, right? Mm-hmm. But that API is traversing back into whatever data center, public or private, you know, in the cloud or not. And dumb stuff to do, easy things like, you know, oh, let's move all of our video library across that API. Well, that's a T1, right? That's not kind of probably not going to go real well or something like that. But it it seems like one of the common threads is everybody needs context of what things are. What is it? Whose is it? What does it do? And what's dependent upon it, right? And, you know, we, we used to do those kind of things in documents and spreadsheets and wiki pages and things that we would maintain, but a lot of that stuff changes in software in the cloud and in our own data center. It's not all physical connected devices and routing tables that we set up ourselves. And that's that seems to be an area of, I think people, there's a lot more to do, but people are innovating and trying to work on, I can watch the network. I can see what point connects to, to what. I can observe what kind of traffic, maybe even what applications are talking over those links, depending on encryption and things like that, to try to glean as much sort of uh, intelligence, not intelligence smarts, but intelligence right. information. So if you're the network operator, network engineer, the security engineer, whatever it might be, they say blah happened, you know, they're not just talking about microservices and you go, what the heck is that? 
they're talking about, here's where this talks to our network or our service provider's network. So it seems like that part of it is still, I think there's a long ways to go, but I think some yeah. of the things have happened there. Yeah. Yeah. We, we just, I mean, you know, there are so many different aspects of it. it it's, again, you know, it can be kind of overwhelming. Right. And, and, and we always get back to the whole idea of visibility. Right. And how do we get that visibility? How do we maintain that visibility? How do we ensure that we understand, you know, kind of where this traffic is, is flowing, you know, back and forth. And, and that's where again, some of the research that we're doing into actually, shockingly enough, networking observability, um, you know, really, really comes into play because there is some confusion, especially within our audience that tends to be, you know, dev centric for the most part, DevOps, and, and obviously the infrastructure piece of it is kind of a cloud native, you know, concept where you've got kind of this Venn diagram between what your traditional network monitoring stuff is and your, you know, kind of application observability, uh, whether you want to use observability or APM or whatever term you want to use for that, right? That there's just such overlap. Is it 50%? I don't know. Is it 60%? Is it eight? You know, but when you talk to the folks that say, hey, I'm the application, I'm in charge of making sure this application is available and performing and all this other stuff, you know, they have a sense that the network, that, the, that their observability tools are actually managing the network, right? Pulling network telemetry, doing all this other stuff. Uh, and I assure you, that's largely not the case. Right. You, you know, it's largely not the case. So can you get a little bit of stuff? Yes. But is your observability platform pulling in, you, you know, again, scads of NetFlow data to try to understand, you know, kind of what the connectivity is and, and, and where some of the issues are and what links, you, you know, may be uh, overrun because of, of poor architecture? No, <laughs> no. So, you know, we, we do have to figure out how to bridge this gap between, you know, what had been a connectivity thing, right, and what is really an application stack performance thing and, um, you know, figure out a way that we can get kind of a holistic view of the entire environment, uh, right, and then be in a position where you can start to influence and, and make some changes uh, around those things. So it's, it's really not an either or type thing. It is making sure that, you know, folks, and, and one of the interesting things is, does that kind of come under the umbrella of something like digital experience? Right. I'm not quite sure I understand what digital experience is from that, you know, standpoint. It feels kind of squishy to me. But when you think about, hey, I'm on the other end of a of a connection and I'm trying to figure out how my application performs. Well, if your network is crap, guess what? Your digital experience is not going to be very good. By the way, if, if your application is crap or there's a huge amount of latency with the backend database or there are any number of other architectural things, to the user, it's the same impact, right? Which is my experience is crap, right? So I think that may be a better, you know, kind of umbrella to start integrating a lot of these different, you know, kind of aspects of, of application performance, because ultimately what we're trying to gauge is, is the impact on the, on, the, on the customer, right? On the end user. The, the way I think of digital experience, I'm going to go reach way back in my career. One of the first products I created <laughs> was for PCs. It was like a, it was a desktop that visually looked like graphically looked like a desktop with your Rolodex and email and, yeah, and yeah, yeah. all that. And I rolled this out to the executives actually, it was an EDS uh, at the time. And, you know, some of the first PCs that e executives had used and we, I called it this app, the executive network. And that's what, that's what the term 
was. And then I noticed I started getting calls like, Mitch, the network is down. And well, and the issue was the printer was, you know, right. or, or out of paper. Or, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I put my email in the wrong folder, but the network is down. And what, so why I say all that is end users, there's sort of a, a line which we all <laughs> kind of draw naturally below which we don't know anything about. We don't care. We think it's this. It's everything above that, whether it's the UI, it's my browser, it's the button on the screen, it's that's what they think of as the digital experience, right? And yeah. that either goes well or is it doesn't. But I want to I want to ask you something that you know I, I grew up in the in the days of siloed network engineering, siloed network ops, security people. You know, uh, ops for the data center, <laughs> servers, sysadmins, you know, everybody had their lane and you did not cross lanes, you know, for fear of being roadkill. You know, are we, do you think we're bringing um, network uh, engineering and ops into the kind of larger digital business, digital technology fold, or is it still kind of left alone as its own thing. And we're, we're trying to figure out how to connect the dots. What do you, what it, do you it really de it depends on the organization. I mean, I think that, you know, some of the more forward thinking IT leaders have integrated a lot of these concepts and have largely blown away the silos. Yet there's still an infrastructure, but, you know, they're not necessarily the network infrastructure versus the data center infrastructure mm -hmm. versus, you know, so I, I do think some of that stuff is collapsing. Uh, but I also think that the, you know, the ongoing march of technology, right, the ongoing progress that we have, um, we're making a lot of these, you know, kind of at least the base skills a non-factor, right? So I, we, we, I was talking last night, I was having, um, I guess I was meeting with a friend of mine. We we're having lunch uh, and we were talking about, you, you know, kind of the kids. He, he was talking about how his son is, you know, interested in programming and he's quite good at it, maybe even better than some of the teachers in his high school uh, and how he's, you know, <laughs> figuring out things and, you know, having the whole typical developer experience like, yes, right. And, and you know, just uh, just elation when, you, you know, you get it to work as as develop only developers can really appreciate it. It's very you know, that, gratifying. Yes. You know, that that level of, of, of accomplishment and, and, you know, kind of uh, elation when when something actually works that you, you know, agonized over for uh, a long time. Um, and, and we were talking about, you know, what's, what about, you, you know, kind of is that a skill that you really need? You know, a lot of the fundamentals, because I mean, you're going to say, what do I what do I want this thing to do? And Copilot or a Copilot-like technology is going to generate your data structures. It's going to generate, you know, a lot of the code that's there. And you're going to go in and, you know, kind of refine it and, and make it work and string it together with, with other things. But a lot of that base level, I mean, same stuff's going to happen with the network, right? It's going to be infrastructure as code. You're going to say, I need to get from this to this. You're probably going to have some kind of graphical configurator to just you know, click a thing and do a thing and then, you know, code spits out, you know, at the bottom. And you actually have, you know, some of those things from an infrastructure's code uh, standpoint uh, already. Um, so, you know, I get the sense that this skill set is changing, right? I mean, you still need someone kind of like the, you know, Y2K days, right? We needed somebody who understood how to get, you know, the front end processor to work because, yeah, your front end processor goes down. Guess what? You know, your mainframe's out of business. You can't get any information, you know, back and forth to it. But I don't think you needed 10 of them. 
right? So you, you, you're going to need somebody that still knows, you know, a lot of that networking stuff. But I think a lot of it is really going to be baked into, uh, you know, the infrastructure and the stacks and, and really the service engine that you have that underlie a lot of your infrastructure. Yeah, I agree. And and I don't in, in this way is we, we go through these cycles of uh, fourth generation languages are going to change programming languages forever. Not really. There were there were a tool in the bag. Um, low code, no code. Why well, nobody needs to write code anymore? AI, nobody needs to write code anymore. Well, pick up a Python book and, I, and you start learning Python. I can tell you, you learn a lot of really grunge, low level stuff. And there's still a lot of grunt work to do. I say grunt work. A lot of what I call housekeeping. It's a lot of like stuff. I need this set this up. I need to create this. Why do I have to do all that? My hope is that things like AI and and Copilot and others sort of work on that part of it. If you took care of that part of it and let developers run with the rest of it, I think you'd like have you you know the productivity of developers would increase dramatically. So there's sort of the top down view. It's going to create all that for me. And there, I think there'll be some of that, but I, thought, I also think there'll be some of the take care of some of those details, kind of like you're talking about in the network for developers. And let me go work on the next big thing, which probably drop them down into the detail stuff again. But essentially, we we you know, we go through these cycles where this, other than programming and assembly, I probably do a lot of the things today I still did just in different languages or platforms or whatever. But I guess even in the software world, should you, yeah, yeah, should, should you, right. So, and if you got better options, you know, shame on you. And and, and again, and and that's what I I think we're kind of on this and, and is it a, you know, a step function? Is it a incremental thing? I don't know. Right. But I can tell you, in seven years, developing, you know, applications is going to look fundamentally different than it does today. You, you know, one, we're going to be seven years, you know, past this, you know, seven years further down this, you know, kind of evolution, you, you know, from a platforming, you know, standpoint in terms of, of on-prem stuff. We're going to have, you know, seven more years of assisted development. We're going to have seven more years of standard cloud native architecture and and a number of the tools that are there. Uh, It's just, it's going to be different, right? Is it, are you going to have to go back and do that if you want to, right? I mean, I think that there are still folks that manage their Cisco networking environment via CLI. Just to be clear, that's because they want to, not because they have to. Right. So so I think you're going to have folks if they want to get into the code. Hey, have at it, man. If you can do it in a productive way that, um, you, you know, kind of allows you to meet the goals of the organization from a velocity and, and, and a quality standpoint. I mean, hey, all that great. More power to you. I got no issue with that. I'm, not, I'm an outcomes guy. Right. I need I need outcomes. Right. I don't I'm not I don't care how you get there. Right. I just think that we have a new generation of folks. They're going to grow up with these tools and they're not going to be locked into that structure of how, you know, we used to do things just because that's the way we used to do things. And the interns I hired today and what they know already is mind blowing. What they're able to do already is mind. No, that's right. <laughs> it is. You know, I, I just. Uh, you're you're supposed to be the negative Nelly, not me. <laughs> um, you know, I just there have been so many times when we think a thing is going to change it all, and it's never going to be the same. Well, it's never the same, but it doesn't change all of it, right? Uh, so just like the cloud, 
Not everything's in the cloud. Matter of fact, most things still aren't in the cloud yet, right? It's an evolution. And I think the same thing for software and seven years sounds like way too short to me. I think it it will be, yes, there'll be things that'll be generative, be generated with AI tools. And there'll be a lot of stuff that's not, because guess what? All that existing apps and code, it's not going to yeah. generate that code for you. It doesn't understand it. It doesn't know how to write code for it. Maybe there'll be really smart AI engines. It's another seven years down the road past that. So it to me, it's always an evolution. It's not a Yes, this changes everything. And that kind of going forward, how we do things that evolves and as additive and gradually changes what we do. But uh, you know, it I can't think of anything that that said we now no longer do anything like that when it when we said this is the tipping point, it takes this evolution. So anyway, I'll get off my soapbox. <laughs> I, and you would say the same thing if you uh, you could make this argument too. Um, I, and I can make the argument too. I just don't think it's right. So that's it. Well, and, 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 it's and, not about right. <laughs> and, and that's fine. Right. And, and, and I think that, you know, what, what we have now, I think is an inflection point. I think that we've got to a, you know, situation where we just don't have the horsepower to do all the stuff that we need to do. We've got to figure out how to do it smarter. We've got to figure out how to do it more efficiently. We've got to figure out how to make the junior folks that are coming into the environment much more productive, much faster. And to me, that looks like I've got to start breaking things, right? I've got to start, you know, just leaving these old constructs behind. And is it going to be messy? Yes. Is it going to work as perfectly as we want it to? Of course not. Right. But is it going to happen? I don't see an, another option because everything software underlies everything now, mm -hmm. not a little thing, right? Everything. And we just don't have enough software. I was talking to somebody. I was I was at a, a, a forum on on Tuesday. She works for a, a um, she works for a self driving um, car company, right? So mm -hmm. Builds technology into self driving. Um, I was talking to her. She's like, oh yeah, you know, we have three hundred and seventy five developers wherever she is, you know, kind of geographically. What? What? Right, three hundred and seventy-five. That's like a not even a mid-size. That's a large software company, right? Three hundred seventy-five, and this is to, this is on technology that's not going to be there for ten years, maybe fifteen years. Three hundred and seventy-five developers, right? There are not enough of these people. We have to figure out how to, you know, you know, kind of crank them out better. You know, stop making them go through four years of largely theoretical bullshit. You know, and and figure out how to get them into the trade uh, a lot faster. You know, boot camps. Um, you, you know, things like that. If, if you can separate out from your need for a piece of paper, I think there are a lot of opportunities for developers that, you know, again, can be just as talented going through a six month boot camp. Um, you know, to be again, are they going to be great? No, but I can make the same statement about folks that come out of a four year program. They're not going to be, maybe they're a little better because they've been doing it a little bit longer, but they ain't great. I'll tell you that. Um, I, I tell you, my, you know, my view is, it ain't about the paper. It's a, it's about the person because you can, there are people that just kick butt right. whether they have a degree or not. And it's just right. their, their pace of learning and applying it and using it and keep going, 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 going. Yeah. That's the kind of person that, that yeah. succeeds, whether they As go to I'm paying a crap ton of money to send my kids to a four-year, you know, college to do stuff. So, <laughs> you, you know, I'm probably talking a little bit out of the both, both sides of my mouth there. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> all right, we could go on all day from that standpoint. Let, let's just, you know, suffice it to say, we're in a state of transition. I yeah, think network is one of those places where we're going to start to see, um, you know, that transition become a lot more apparent, you know, sooner rather than later. Um, I think programmability of all this, one of the sessions I'm doing at um, RSA is is on infrastructure as code and, you know, dev, DevOpsing your infrastructure or DevSecOpsing. Mm-hmm. Uh, your infrastructure. So I'll be, you know, posting a poll on, on Monday or Tuesday, uh, get some feedback from everybody on, on that. Um, but you know, again, there are going to be a lot of pieces of that. And, you know, obviously you can see we've got different views of how things are going to shake out, you know, in, in seven to 10 years. Um, um, they're not that different. Ultimately, I'm a little bit more, you know, optimistic, but I think that's out of necessity rather than anything else. Any final thoughts, Mitch, before we kind of wrap it up? Well, you know, it's it's you know, optimism is the is based on your perspective. I'm also very optimistic, and you know, you've heard me talk about it. It's all about software, right? I remember my one of my top network engineers in 2011 came back from Cisco Live and said, "What should I learn?" I said, "Python." He said, "What's Python besides a snake?" You right. know, and it's and it is it is all software. And that's the world we live in. Doesn't mean everybody has to be a programmer. Doesn't mean everybody have to be even a scripter necessarily, you know, write scripts, but you got to be fluent in in understanding software and and how apps are built and how then infrastructure is built and how the back end the technology works. So it's it's all an evolution and it's interesting where we are. And it's just gonna keep marching from where it we sure are. Is. Things march forward, whether we like it or not. They do. So with that, we will wrap up another episode of the TechStrong Research Review. We will be back, I think, next week. Are you back next week, Mitch? So I, I think we got one weekend. Then we're, and then we won't yes. be recording the week we're in RSA. Yeah. Uh, we're at RSA, but uh, but we will be back next week to uh, talk about some other intellectually stimulating discussion, I'm sure. See where that one goes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Be well, everybody. Have a great All right. Day. Take care, everybody.